Welcome to the Business Extra podcast. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is my co-host and the National's Future Editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So we're talking today about uh, Saxo Bank, the uh, Danish uh, financial institution. It's 30 years old, which is, relatively speaking, quite young for banks. Scary, though, to hear of a bank that's younger than I am. <laughs> I must be getting old. Well, it, they've been through a lot, I think, the last 30 years. So mm-hmm. um, it, it definitely looks a lot older than you, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> um, they they uh, reported for last year uh, a bit of 200 million US dollars, revenue of 650 million there or thereabouts. So fa- fairly large and growing, in particular in China. Right. And they define themselves as a fintech. They define themselves as very much multinational with, a, I think, unexpected for a Danish investment bank to be eyes toward Asia at this moment. So we have an interview coming up with the CEO and founder of Saxo Bank, Kim Fournay. But before you get to see that, please do subscribe, ring that bell. So here is our interview with Kim Fournay, CEO and founder of Saxo Bank. Well, Kim, thank you for being with us. Uh, it's, it's good to talk to you uh, in what is effectively the 30th year of Saxo Bank since you, you founded it. You're the founder and and chief executive. So, wh- I mean, what does it feel like to be 30 years old, which I guess when you talk about financial institutions, maybe isn't that old, but what you've lived through um, growing this, this company, um, you know, you talk about the euro coming online, you talk about the financial crisis in 2010, the pandemic. Uh, I mean, you, you've been through a lot. What, what's the company like now compared to, to how you started out in 92, apart from being bigger, obviously? Well, uh, luckily, we we are somewhat bigger than the beginning. And uh, when we started, it was uh, literally on a on a shoestring with uh, half a, a million euro, uh, or sorry, seventy thousand euros in capital. So that was uh, not a lot of money. And and since then, we've grown organically. So of course, it's it's been pretty wild because uh, actually, a few days after we started in nineteen two, uh, we had the Black Wednesday where Soros broke the sterling. Um, I mean, in 1998, there were a big wild swings in the Asian economy in Russia. Uh, Dollar-yen moved 40 big figures, and, and that w- that was big. Uh, obviously, the, the attack on the World Trade Centers, uh, and uh, as you say, <clears throat> you know, dot-com boom, global financial crisis, pandemics. Or, so I, I think what we can say is just that we live in a wild world, and that's whether you run a bank or not a bank. Uh, I'm really today very, very proud about all the people. And I think the the culture that we've built around this, and I think it also shows that if you if you have common goals and virtues or values on on how to get there, and you can you can find the, the right people that are motivated by the the meaningfulness and the purpose that we're doing, and create a good culture, I think actually you you can do quite a few things, and that is what I'm in. You know, I'm I'm very proud about that. And that, of course, uh, goes beyond um, building unique technology, because as you say, 30 years is a long time. And in banking, it's maybe even longer. But but when we started, I think it's also fair to say that we became a fintech even before the term was was coined. So there's been a lot of, of very interesting stuff. And, and I think consistently we have managed um, to build a better business, better products, better services, really refine what we call the win-win with our clients, with our employees, with, with stakeholders of, of any kind. And um, and today, I think it's uh, we are in a, a unique place because clearly the, the world needs more digitization. 
uh, there's a, a, a lot of movements going on now in the market due to, I think, uh, what I call the, the biggest uh, monetary experiment in the history of mankind is, is unfolding now, not necessarily from its nice side. Uh, we are seeing long-term interest rates going up, uh, uh, stocks coming down. So it's a very, very difficult market. And uh, then again, when you go back, you know, we we're not seen exactly the same because I think there are many dynamics in the in the world right now that was not there. But I think really the ability to navigate those challenges and turn it into opportunities is probably the the key factor from from having been around for 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 thirty years here. Can you talk a little bit more about? I'm interested in this being a fintech before fintechs were a thing. Can you place us a little bit in where Saxo Bank is right now in terms of technology and where we are? I mean dropping all the buzzwords around decentralization, blockchain, crypto, digital banking. There's a lot going on in this moment, but is this a paradigm shift that we're now in or is this more of the same of technology evolving naturally as you've seen over the last three decades? Well, first of all, I think that that the speed and everything has changed a lot. The, the level of information and data has uh, grown exponentially, uh, as, as we all know. Uh, I think because of that and because of new business models, margin compression, geopolitical stuff, regulatory stuff, uh, technology uh, and so forth, that that there's a lot of challenges at the same time. And I think the the solution to those challenges, in in, in our view at least, is to stay 100% focused on creating win-win with the clients and the partners. And, and to do that in our business uh, and, and going back also to, to when we started, it was pretty obvious in the beginning, after having thought a little bit about it, that, that uh, the financial industry is uniquely positioned uh, to leverage the internet because the, the, we move data. It's not 10 issues or any logistics. All the supply chain disruptions we see in the world today is very much due to moving a physical product. And back then, all the business models were, were kind of similar. And, and as you say, the, the, the being a financial business is, is something that most of the global big banks today are, are, have been there for, you know, if maybe 100 years or more, maybe some, some little less, but they've been there for a long time. And that actually gives a, a huge chance, apart from having a big brand and a client franchise, I think the operational model, the business model, the technology stack, how you, you use all these new technology tools, intellectually understand what that could mean, but it's very, very difficult to, to fully utilize that if you are a legacy bank on legacy infrastructure with a legacy uh, business model. So when we started, it was literally on a shoestring, as I said, 70,000 euros to start up a a fintech is, is not going to fly today, and I don't think many people have, have done something like that. So I knew that in two months we had to create, generate a positive cash flow because otherwise it'd be the end of it. So it was very much about <clears throat> really understanding what, what could create win-win in, in the short term. And the, 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 the very early stages was really a service broker on a telephone. Uh, but then in the mid-90s, we thought, well, we could see that that E-Trade and Daytech and so forth in, in US started trading uh, stocks on, on, online. And uh, the, the discussion was really, how can we leverage this into foreign exchange and other products, which were not at all on the internet back then. So, so it was really, again, giving transparency to the clients, reducing cost and complexity because we could grow much sharper pricing and we could stream the prices out to much more people than just sitting with a telephone. 
So it was really leveraging technology. And I think that that when, when you ask about all the technology trends now, blockchain, uh, 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 open banking and so forth, I think in the end, uh, I think sometimes people maybe overconfuse technology a little bit with what actually pays the bills, what actually constitutes a better client experience and so forth. So in the end, the technology uh, race is more competitive than ever and it's becoming more important than ever because otherwise you cannot deliver proper digital solutions you cannot reduce cost and complexity in your value chain you cannot be compliant and all of that so so i think it's really about how do you use technology to create a better client experience and build a better business and that to me is the key focus area uh, i think blockchain eventually will be very uh, important because it can uh, you know you can combine uh, execution, clearing, settlement, and so forth into one process. So, and you can have a kind of T zero on everything, but that's more on the back office front. Right now, when people say talk blockchain, they mostly talk about it in a in a crypto uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, connection. And I think that 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 to me is a big challenge right now. I mean, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum have gone up and up and up, and now it's gone down somewhat. And and I think what's what's, I mean, I think in many ways that blockchain ends up being the solution to the problem that people have not really yet identified. Right? I think it gets a little bit blockchain for all the for the sake of the blockchain, but not talking about what it will do to actually create a better client experience, better client to uh, uh, client access to products and services and so forth. So, so to me, it, it, we need to keep things a little separated. And are those open questions for you still in terms of how blockchain will find its utility? Yeah, well, I think to to me, I think it it it. it you know, you need standards, and I think this industry would benefit enormously from having a global payment standard where blockchain could play a role, where where the whole operational, uh, the back end, what we call, you know, uh, custody clearing, um, all of that, you know, blockchain can be really, really important there, but then everyone needs to use it. If, if we started using it, well, we couldn't deal with all our partners, with all the core banks and so forth. So I think you it will take some time. And I'm not doubtful that that the, uh, the, the the blockchain technology will definitely uh, make a lot of things uh, more easy. I think right now it has, as I said, uh, I don't think we've we've seen full full uh, use of that in a in a super efficient manner yet. So Kim, uh, it sounds like technology out of necessity as much as anything else. You you wanted to grow. You wanted to grow quickly. You needed to find um, the most efficient way to do that. Um, the, the scale. Of the company now at sort of ninety-five billion dollars assets under management, more than that last year, staff of about two and a half thousand worldwide, compared to to what you say were your humble beginnings. But I but I'd like to talk a little bit about sort of the culture side of Saxo Bank, which is you're based in Copenhagen. It's not necessarily the one considered one of the you know financial powerhouses of the world. Forgive me, as much as Copenhagen's a beautiful city. Um, so yeah, the city of London, you have Wall Street. I mean, those are where your competitors are. So what was the experience of, of building this out from Copenhagen rather than one of the more traditional financial centers? In the end, it's all about people and culture. And uh, we, from very early days, had a lot of different nationalities. Uh, we are around 65 different nationalities now. We, we are uh, not in North America, but, but uh, very much in Europe, Middle East and, and, uh, and Asia. Uh, and and I think honestly, when when you work like that and you are distributed all over the world, it is more about what you deliver. And and really, we 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 sell a platform or an API. So all our products and services 
is on a platform or an API that you can access. And then, then it becomes more important that you can go and see people where they are. So I think that, you know, there are many good things uh, about uh, Denmark and there are clearly also uh, many great things about being in in, uh, in London or New York or whatever, where we ha you have a much uh, deeper pool of, of, of talent and so forth. But honestly, I don't think that that has really hampered us in our growth because we had a very different model. And I think sometimes you need to think outside the box. You need to also go outside the, the box, so to speak. Uh, so, so having 2,500 employees now, more than half of these are, are, are based in technology. So we, we've put businesses and technology roles together, but it's basically people writing code or, or, or so forth. Right. So again, when I say it, it's not technology by necessity, but technology is a tool to create a better business, creating better uh, product services, pricing and so forth towards your clients. So, so to me, having as I mentioned before, uh, really unique people in, in uh, 16 different offices that shares a, a, a goal and shares uh, the virtues on how we, we're working together, to me, is, is, uh, is really unique. And, and I think no one can just say we want to be placed here and then think that's 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 the sense of the world because it's not. I think we all have to be humble. And I think the Danish culture, being a small country with 5.7 million uh, Danes uh, or people living in the country altogether. I mean, we knew from generations and generations we had to go out and meet people. We had to go out and build alliances and try to create win-win and, and kind of sell our ideas. So in that sense, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing because then you are more proactive understanding that you cannot just sit and wait for things to happen. You have to get out there and, and, and meet people. And, and all in all, I think that that's not a bad place. And I think in, in this geopolitical world, I think it's not a bad place to be uh, a Dane or Scandinavian where, you know, things are relatively calm here. We, we have, we are not so much, I mean, no one in Denmark ever wanted to go and threaten any other country or anything. So we, we are considered being peaceful, collaborative uh, people. And I think that's actually virtues that are probably even more important, unfortunately, in the world today than they were uh, 30 years ago. I want to ask you about not just looking outside of Copenhagen, but looking into China, the world's biggest investor in fintech uh, makes up more than half of fintech investments actually globally since 2019, at least. What was the motivation to move into China and what is it like as a Danish company to do business in China? Well, first of all, we, we have uh, Geely uh, being a, a big investor in Saxo Bank and we have a, a very, very, very unique relationship with them. They're obviously from from uh, the manufacturing industry to doing cars and so forth. But having a strong partner in China is, is very, very important. We have uh, made uh, what we call a technology transfer into China simply because the way things work now with a great Chinese firewall and so forth, you cannot operate anything in China unless the technology is, is in there. So our work into China now has been focused on what we call Saxo FinTech, which is a joint venture between uh, Geely and Saxo where we've uh, built a technology company in uh, Chongqing and uh, we have 150 people there. We've raised the stack. So now it's actually working very closely with uh, regulators and other players inside China uh, that could be interested in leveraging the Saxo business model and the Saxo technology. So it's still early days. I think it's super interesting. Of course, everyone in the world, uh, I think, are, are worried about all the, the geopolitical unrest that, that we see. I think it's something we all have have to to navigate uh, the best way possible. But clearly, China is is very very interesting place. Uh, 
their commitment to a financial reform uh, and and I think slowly but surely opening up markets I, I think is definitely there and uh, it, it's it's very interesting for us but it's also relatively early days so you've got your 30th anniversary coming up in September um you mentioned before we started recording that you're going to be holding a an event to mark that in India so you're you're in you're based in Copenhagen you've expanded into China your majority shareholder is Geely you're looking at a 30th anniversary event in in India what what does that look like looking at emerging markets and looking at that from from where you're sitting right now in in, in the middle of Europe um it, it, when it comes to September and you're you're celebrating that 30 years in India you know what what's go, what's going to be the next step for for Saxo Bank in terms of the party agenda or in terms of uh, the more the global expansion thinking our well if you're not inviting me to the party i don't want to know about the agenda but it but it but it but it but yeah both both no no but uh, but first of all i mean we we have a tradition and this is part of our culture that that you know we all work hard and and uh, also we need we need to celebrate and we on our 20 years anniversary we flew the entire global company to egypt and had a big party in front of the pyramids uh, close to cairo so I think we we've done these kind of things. So we're not doing that every other day. But now it's 30 years, and we have uh, more than a thousand people in in uh, in Delhi. So uh, having people from Asia and people from Europe coming in, having a great celebration in a great country, uh, uh, but also getting people to know each other because now all the COVID, everything. I think it's it's really really great to to get people to come together. And they, I mean, people are still talking about the 20 years anniversary. So hopefully. By doing this, it shows that we are, I mean, uh, we have more Indians employed in Saxo than Danes for, for that matter, right? And I think, again, we, we, we do, of course, we, I'm very proud to be a Dane. I'm very happy we have our headquarters here. But to your own point, I mean, Denmark is like teeny tiny. So the, the business relevance of Denmark compared to our ambitions in Saxo is, is something that we need to go uh, over and beyond. Uh, so, so I think for us to have uh, 16 different offices is very much about the recognition that we cannot just sit and do business that are purely digital. I mean, we need people on the ground that understand the clients, local regulatory systems, can work with partners, can can really be the representatives there, and then help us to develop better platforms and better products and services that that obviously should be as relevant as possible for 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 the local population so i think that model of having something that is central because really the uniqueness about saxo is that we've developed a what we call a global technology stack a global set of business processes that we are then basically making locally relevant so this kind of global local approach i think is very much uh, the way we think and then also our Saxonians, all the people that are putting a lot of effort into Saxo. Well, that's the real that's the real capital we have, right? Of course, we we have regulatory capital and so forth, but the human the human capital, the the culture and the people is what drives Saxo. And 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 there's nothing more important than that. Hence, we we need to not only in the business really understand what happens locally, but also when when we are uh, having a 30-year celebration. We want to make sure that people understand we really truly appreciate it. And I can assure you that lots of Danes who've never been in India and lots of people from other places who've never been in India. And I think it's it's amazing to come around and, and be privileged to experience um, you know, other people's culture and and the and the whole atmosphere around that. So we we really truly believe that there's a lot of win-win, lots of great things by 
uh, moving around and getting to know different cultures, different people, and 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 giving our uh, Saxonians the same opportunity. Do you think you're closer to what in 2022 and and going forward, the CEO of, of a fintech or a financial company needs to be? Do you need to be that flexible? Do you need to have a broad understanding of these of these areas to be successful now? I I, I think that this is more important than ever. Because there are so many nuances and, uh, you know, we talked about regulation, the whole geopolitical situation, the financial and economical situation, the technology, uh, the change consumer behavior, uh, the culture of people everywhere. Because in the end, we all need trust uh, to be able to do anything together. Any, any fruitful relationship comes from trying to understand each other, which is a lot about communication and, and being curious. And if you understand these things better and you're truly curious, well, then you can find better solutions and then you will be able to create more win-win with the, with the people you work with. And, and to me and to Saxo, uh, this concept of win-win, which to some people sounds really corny, but if you really think about it, all good things in life come from people helping each other so that you win when I win. If it's like a, only one part of the equation that wins, which I think is very much what people thought about the financial industry for many, many years. We did a series called Money matters, small animated movies to explain this because many people believe money is the root of all evil, which is really wrong because if anyone is evil, it's the, the humans. Money is a tool for, for exchange, right? And the financial system, while there's been many mistakes and so forth, it's really, really important that we have a well-functioning, trustworthy, well-regulated, with low-friction financial system because it allows win-win transactions to, to, to happen. So I, I do believe that this much broader concept is very, very important because you cannot just sit and and uh, and drive a very uh, egocentric focus on just making money, 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 because we all want to make money. But if you cannot make money in a good way where people want to come back to you or you get regulatory issues or you get a very bad brain or something. I mean, we've seen a lot also fintechs that are claiming that everything is for free, you know. You can trade for free and then they sell your order flow and so forth. That to me is not building trust. That is not talking to someone where you really want to communicate <laughs> the true essence of, of, of your purpose. right? So I think we need to be all more, uh, see things from broader perspective, from more perspective. And in the end, enjoy what we do and enjoy the people we do it with. right? I think uh, Ray Dalio, which I think is a very, very inspiring person, have written a few books where he's talking about meaningful work and meaningful relations. And to me, that's what it's all about. It's really if we can do something we believe is meaningful and we, we like the purpose and we can do it with people we, we really like and respect, I think that to me is then, then we are truly fortunate. And I think if you can apply that kind of thinking to how you want to run your fintech business and other businesses, I think it's very important, especially in the world we live in now. And we, we see all the geopolitical stuff that's happening now where, where you know, doing business today or next year combined to 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, it's a very different world. And I think we all have to, to uh, understand that and, and honestly also appreciate it because I, there are lots of challenges. Nothing is perfect, that's for sure. But I do believe we have a better world now than we had 50 years ago or 100 years ago or even 500 years ago. I think we are super fortunate, but we, we need to help each other make it a win-win and, and really try to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And that I think we all need to work on every single day. I do want to ask you about the decision to offer crypto investing on your platform. I don't think you can be a fintech today and probably not offer that product, but you talk about being well-regulated, being trustworthy. 
um, offering stability. Is is crypto holding up its end of the bargain on that, or? No, I think first of all, we we've been extremely slow in offering crypto due to a few things. First of all, it was and it still is in the traditional shape outside kind of any regulatory scrutiny, which is unacceptable because we are we are regulated in 12 jurisdictions and we spend a lot of time and money on that. Uh, so we and and secondly, there was no uh, proper tax treatment and, and you know, not to mention all the pollution and, and the, uh, lots of criminals using it and so forth. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to launch it in a compliant manner. So when you trade cryptos with Saxo, you don't trade uh, cryptos on the, on the crypto market. You are basically trading the price movement against foreign exchange. So we, we call it crypto FX. So you can trade uh, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin against uh, uh, euros, dollars uh, and yen. And uh, that's the only thing we do. But there we ensure best execution. It's a fully compliant product. We are doing, uh, you know, a KYC, uh, AML, source of funds, all of that. So, and, and no one has a, a, a cold wallet here. Uh, actually, a third of all Bitcoins have been stolen in, in these wallets. So we are taking all these issues away. So if you want to trade crypto, and I'd like to say if, because again, I think it's it's a pretty wild market. I think we, when so many people want that, we are obviously also here to offer it but with all the disclaimers of, of what crypto means, but also ensure that we actually do ensure best execution. And when you trade cryptos with Saxo, not only is it cheaper, you can also even go short and so forth, but it's actually something that that's a compliant product, which, and I think the whole crypto industry will be regulated. There's no doubt about that. Every every regulator in Europe and US and so forth and, and in, in, in Asia as well, will want blockchain and all the new thinking coming in. But of course, you cannot have a two trillion uh, dark or black market where no one controls anything. And if you as a client, there's no consumer protection, there's no financial stability, there are no rules applying there, which of course is not long-term sustainable. So we do want to adhere to what the clients want, but when we're offering it, we want to offer it in the right way, at least in our view, where it's, where it's compliant, it's transparent, it, it serves best execution, and it's a regulated product. So we've really taken kind of cryptos into a regulated environment, and that to me is, is a completely different thing. I would not advise my mother to start trading cryptos, honestly, and I think it can go badly wrong, like we've seen in many other areas, but I do believe that it's also our purpose to facilitate the products and services with the proper disclaimers to the people that, that may be interested. And if we can be part of the solution and creating more transparent the crypto market, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. I don't think it's something people should put in their pension because I think it's it's hyper speculative and I, I would not sort of be surprised. I mean, we've seen that already that, that you know, it can drop in value like that and it can also <laughs> triple or double in value very quickly as well. But I think it's definitely there's a big interest, at least for now. Uh, I think people should be super cautious trading cryptos, but but yes, we do want to offer it, but in a compliant manner. Kim Fournay, Chief Executive and Founder of Saxo Bank. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for your interest. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for today, Kelsey. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Thank you all for being with us. All that remains to thank our production team. Do join us again next time.